Alright, good morning. This is Making Movies is Hard, where we talk about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I don't know if you have anything to talk about right away, but I want to address some stuff we said in episode three that I started thinking about. It's like, oh man, I got to like expand on that. Sure, uh, you go first. <laughs> Actually, both of our lessons of the week, and this is the reason why the lesson of the week is a bad because <laughs> I'm, I'm already starting to regret it. So you said that you should lower your expectations and go after something that you think you can achieve. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. But I think when we talked about this, didn't we say something about like, uh, that you should, <laughs> um, you know, you need to set expectations and go after something you achieve, but you also like, I mean, every project I've done has, has been ambitious. So I think it's also good to be a little ambitious because if you just go after something that you can easily achieve, then, you're not really going to do anything that's mind-blowing necessarily, you know? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's why I wanted to talk about it a little bit more because I feel like in an earlier episode, we had kind of talked about like reaching a little bit beyond your grasp okay. and challenging yourself. But then I felt like in episode three, we didn't really say that. <laughs> we were kind of like going back on our word and saying uh-huh. that, oh no, actually you should do what you can achieve. And then I was like, yeah, I don't know if I totally agree with that. Have you ever heard... This James Cameron quote, he said, if you set your goals ridiculously high and it's a failure, you're going to fail above everyone else's success. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how true that is. We'll see. But I think it's an it's an interesting idea. It's like I told people you should make the movie that you want to see. Right. And in the same regard, don't make the same kind of movie you want to see that already exists. Only make a movie that you want to see that doesn't exist out in the world. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like if you love Transformers, to go back to Michael Bay, if you love Transformers, don't go make another Transformers. That that already exists in the world, right. and there's people doing it probably way better than you can do it. Yeah, when, when you said that to me, like what I heard was make the movie that you want to see that hasn't been made yet, <laughs> right? Yes, that's what I meant. But then I, when I started thinking about how I said it, I was like, but then it kind of sounds like I'm telling people, like, if they really like a David Fincher movie to go make, like, another David Fincher movie. It's like, don't do that. No. David Fincher's already doing that. Go find, like, a vacuum in the film world that you're like, oh, I wish this movie existed, but no one else is doing it. So I'm going to go create what's missing. Yeah. Because that's the kind of movie I've always wanted to see. Yeah, whatever. for example, like Cowboys and Aliens. I don't know if you saw that movie. Um, yeah. You remember how like it started out really serious and then it can, and mm-hmm. exceedingly got sillier and sillier and sillier as the movie went on? Um, yeah. I, I would love to see a version of that movie where it was like dead serious all the way through and just like <laughs> super straight. Like that, I think that would be amazing, you know? Yeah. That doesn't exist as far as right. we know. Yeah. Anyways, okay. cool. Well, no, I, I think that's good. It's funny. The things that we were talking about are so common to filmmakers and things that, I guess, I don't know, maybe, uh, at least common to me. And, um, you know, it's like I just understood what you meant when you when you didn't say it all the way. And it's so funny that you're like, you're able to catch that and be like, oh, wait, we just said something that <laughs> is completely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure it was clear because I, I felt like we were contradicting ourselves. And then it was like st- really starting to bug me over the last week. It's like, I can't believe that I didn't qualify some of those things that we were saying and like really explain 
the underlying meaning of it. Right. Because, yeah, you hear those things a lot. I'm sure it's not the first time people have heard that. Right. Is there something going on this week you want to talk about? Well, I just about? started working on a feature um, the last three days, which has been really fun. Um, I'm the script supervisor. Um, it's been really cool. It's a crew of about 20. Cool. Yeah. How long have you been shooting Just for? three days. Um, but we're oh. going to shoot, I guess we have um, 12 more. It's a 15-day shoot. The mo- movie's been lots of fun. It's really great. I mean, you know, I want to direct a feature, so it's really great to be working on a feature because, um, you know, you, you just get into the groove and you're working with people who work on features kind of regularly and you get a sense of how it's done. And, you know, I'm just learning every day and I'm doing my job as well. And I think doing a, a okay job at it, but, uh, but also just observing. What are some of the things that you feel like you're getting from it? Just watching it over the past few days. Well, it's really interesting cause it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, because the, the director is also starring in the movie, um, which is like something that I don't have, um, the aspiration to do so the way that he's doing it is a little bit different than than most directors um but i'm still learning from him a lot too just the way that he's dealing with like um all the decision making and all the um the the changes and like throwing things in and trying new things and you know he's really doing a great job so it's been fun it's also makes me a little bit more self-conscious about this podcast because you realize the people that you're working with have worked on like they work like two or three features a year or even more than that sometimes you know i'm this guy who's like worked on maybe five features total in my whole career and uh these people who are like you know five to six or seven years younger than me have like way more movies under their belt and i'm the one trying to talk about <laughs> filmmaking it's like okay <laughs> seems a little stupid you know but uh Whatever, yeah. I guess that's just what we decided to do, and you know, well, we're, we're not... just the guys who decided to record it. I'm sure other people have had this idea, and maybe they'll go and do their own podcast and knock us off the throne. Right, but right now we're the only ones. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's going on with you? Not a whole lot. It's been very slow. I feel like so much is going on in your life. Nothing. I feel like I'm in the, that weird phase between projects where I'm trying to figure out what my next step is, what I'm, what I need to do. been putting a lot of thought towards this whole 10,000 hour idea. I actually calculated the other day. How many hours have I do? I think I've put towards my 10,000 figure. I'm roughly like 8,600. So I've, I have room to go. So is that like 8,600 of directing hours or 8,600 of producing hours? Or are you counting them all together? No, like, cumulative uh, film experience so screenwriting producing directing films doesn't include my commercial production if I count commercial production then I'm definitely like 10,000 hours on that because it's roughly 10 years 20 hours a week you know so it's like a part time job that's pretty good that's what that's what 10,000 hours equates to how many hours do you think you put towards your 10,000 have you calculated? no I haven't calculated it it's definitely not that many it's probably more like um, I don't know if, if anything 4,000 maybe have you just <laughs> I don't know I mean oh, it, it's just so I've been doing it since high school right so I mean if you count like the very first project that I like worked on as like a DP or yeah. creative. I mean, I don't know. Where do you start, right? And I, I kind of think like, 
for my development as an artist, it's all important. Like ever since I first cut together, even the stuff in high school. Yeah. I mean, even, even like when I first cut together the, my first soccer promo for high school soccer on a to B, a B roll tape editing. I mean, I think that was like, I remember that moment when I was doing that with my buddy and like that was a moment where I knew I was kind of hooked because it was such a tough thing to do because you know it's 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 linear right so like if you you go and you're like you edit like you know 30 seconds or 45 seconds together and you want to change something in second one you have to redo the whole thing and we did that like we 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 edited 45 (laughs) seconds together it took us like you know eight hours or you know three days after school or whatever and then we're like no no we want to really do this thing in the beginning this other idea that we had isn't working and so we redid the whole damn thing so i think that's where it starts for me i don't know how many hours have i spent since then i mean it's really hard <laughs> yeah, to say you should yeah you should try to calculate it i was kind of convinced i've i've already done my ten thousand hours I, i'm pretty sure that i have and then i'm i, I had this feeling last week where it's like if i've done my ten thousand hours and and people still aren't paying any attention to me like does that mean that i'll never i'll never reach my goals like i'm, I'm never gonna direct a feature like i'm never gonna get any like paying directing job <laughs> it's like this sucks <laughs> i put all this time and energy into it <laughs> this sucks that's funny yeah i don't, I don't know i mean i, I think this whole ten thousand hours thing i think it's good but i think what i take from it isn't that you have to actually put in a physical 10,000 hours, but more that you have to just be working (laughs) at your craft constantly. So like you're always just writing, like making stuff, like staying active on your projects, not just getting lazy and, and forgetting about them. But as long as you're pushing your career forward and you're working on things you want to work on, I think that's what the 10,000 hours thing means to me. Yeah. But I have this feeling maybe once a at least once a year it's like it's usually at the beginning of the year when i have the whole year ahead of me and i'm not quite sure what's going to happen that year and what i'm going to do and i'm thinking to myself what if i never achieve the goals that i you know that i've set out for myself what do you mean what if mainly getting paid you know getting getting paid to direct is really kind of like the goal mm-hmm. Like, I want this to be a professional career. So what does my life look like if I never get that opportunity? It's like, I'll keep doing this over and over and over again. It's so much work. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I have a regular job and then on the side I'm doing this. And I get overwhelmed sometimes thinking about how much longer I'm going to... Actually, not even how much longer I'm going to be doing it, just that I'll never give up. That I'm just going to keep doing it because I, I love it so much. Yeah. But at the same time, I might never reach my goal. So it's kind of like, ah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you may never, someone may never pay either of us to really direct anything, you know? I mean, but I think you just need to keep on directing stuff because it's what you love to do and what you're good at, you know? Like, I'm speaking from working with you. I can tell that you have a really keen eye for it and a really good temperament for it. I think the temperament part is really important. (laughs) You know, and, um, you know, being able to stay calm and positive, um, even when you feel like, you know, everything is failing. I think that is a really, really important skill to have um, as a creative, you know. Um, So, yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that you need to keep on doing it. I think 
the 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 less that you think about the money and the less that the the money is the important thing the more likely you're going to get money <laughs> so as long as you drive the money away and it's like you don't need the money like the money doesn't matter like i can do it i'm doing it i got what i need like you know not to be overconfident and to be arrogant or anything but just to like not be like des- like you know desperately seeking that i think you, that the sooner you'll get it right it's it's like um it's like when people who are like you know single and they want they want a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they're just like oh god i wish wish i had a, a, a girlfriend i wish i had a boyfriend or whatever and then you know they're just wishing for it and they're upset about it and then like you know all the dates they go on don't work out well or they never meet anybody and then the minute they're like i'm fine being me and i'm happy in my own life that's when they meet their you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. So I think it's the same thing. This sounds like some Berkeley philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, soak it in, man. <laughs> soak in the Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I know what you're saying. It's just something that I've been struggling with a lot, just trying to kind of figure out. Because part of me is like, yeah, I'm totally happy that I'm doing it. I'm making movies. I'm making stuff that I really care about. But another part of me is just like, does anybody care except for me? I don't feel like it. I care. I feel like right now I'm the only one that cares. Oh, thanks. I like your movies. I like, uh, I want to see Spirit Machine. (laughs) So bad. You won't let me see it. Let's not, (laughs) let's not talk about that. We should dedicate a whole episode to talking about Spirit Machine. Um, (laughs) I have so much to say on that subject. So yeah, do you want to talk about why you're not in LA right now? Um, you know, kicking it yeah, in Santa Monica. I'm actually in LA. You're in LA right now? I'm in LA at, at, <laughs> at this moment. I'm in a hotel room in LA. So this is perfect. <laughs> Man, okay. I'm really interested in what your opinion is. Yeah, the topic of the week is, uh, and this is a question for each of us. Do you ever consider moving to LA and or like, why aren't you living in LA? Because both of us live in the Bay Area and... LA is very close it'd be an easy move for either of us to make and it's of course the center of the filmmaking world there's so many people down here working in the industry and uh, I've heard a lot of advice like it's good to move to LA because you'll be around these people and so much of breaking out is based on who you know so I think there's a lot to be said about being in LA where you have more chances to meet people that can help you in your career but then again, I've also, I feel like I've met a lot of those people in San Francisco. So it's definitely a debate that I've had. Have you toyed with the idea at all? Or have you just been like, yeah, I mean, steadfast since Bay Area filmmaker forever? <laughs> no, I mean, since, <laughs> since um, college, I was thinking about it. And uh, I think for a little while, I thought that was going to be the plan. But then, you know, I don't know. I mean, life, right? Like that's yeah, that's a big part of it. Life is a huge part. My ex girlfriend that I had, she actually was really discouraging of my filmmaking in in particular. My uh, my girlfriend I had when I graduated, so um, <laughs> that was probably part of it. And I mean, that's an excuse, of course, because you know you don't you can blame things on anyone, you know. But uh. I just never did it and I should have done it right after college probably just done it and gotten down there and like that's where I would have like you know done my PAing and done my you know paying my dues as it were you know but I did that here 
So once I did that here, it was harder to like convince myself to go back, go to LA and then like have to do the whole PA thing over again in my, you know, mid twenties. And then, well, what's the goal of a PA? So people who might not know can, can hear. So a PA is a production assistant and, uh, that basically means it's, it's the job you can get with no experience, you know, when you're first starting out in, um, you know, film or video or whatever. Although a lot of times <laughs> intern is the actual job that you can get. You can't even get a production assistant job without at least some experience, but you know, depending on the production, people will hire you, um, to come out and help out. And I'll just explain what my first production experience, uh, was, uh, as a production assistant on a big show and basically, you're like one of 10 generally production assistants on a big day. Let's say they have five production assistants for the regular show. On the big days, they need five more. So then that's when the people with no experience or less experience get called out because they need to fill in the gaps, you know? So I was like production assistant 10. You're given like very little instruction a lot of the time. You're usually just standing around waiting um, for a while. And then, like, after you get your walkie, it's like, okay, stand there and make sure no one trips over that cable. <laughs> That's your job, you know? And then you're on walkie, right? And then, like, the, the second second AD will be like, oh, we need somebody to get coffee for Elizabeth, whoever couldn't do that. And then all the PAs are like, whoa, we got to go. And like, you know, it's like the first one to get the coffee wins. Right. And it's like, everyone's trying to be like helpful. And I mean, it's just, it can be really tough. Why you know? is everybody, com is, does, is everyone competing for something? Kind of. Yeah. Like people want to do the best job, you know, and people want to be the most useful, I think. And, you know, when you've got 10 people or maybe it's not 10, but like, maybe it's like, you know, five of the 10 people just not really doing anything like waiting to do something. It's like, as soon as anything needs to happen, it's like, you know, you're so excited to be a part and to do something. And then if like, you know, so that someone actually calls for you, if it, like your name gets called on the walkie and like go to channel two or whatever, and like you get your own specific task, like that's really exciting. Like, Oh, finally, like my time to do something. And it's like, yeah, just, uh, you know, make sure you know, trips over that cable over there or stand on that corner uh, for whatever. And then like, you'll be doing that. And then they won't tell you when you don't need to be doing it anymore. And then you're just still doing it. And they're like, where's Ulrich? And it's like, <laughs> you told me to stand over there and then you didn't tell me anything else. So it can be tough. I mean, but so if a film production was a corporation, a PA is the entry level job to work in on a set. And then from there, gain trust from individual people that might give you a shot doing what you really want to do. Well, that's not necessarily true either. What's kind of the path? What's The path for a production assistant is to move up to going into the production department, and that would be like production coordinators or uh, assistant production coordinators, probably the next position, or key PA would be, and then assistant production coordinator. And I'm probably getting this wrong. There's probably other roles too, but I mean... But what if you wanted to be in the camera department? Where would you start? Well, then you have to become a camera intern or a camera PA. And that'll happen a lot too, is like the PAs who are like in production, they'll go and talk to the camera people and be like, hey, do you, need, do you guys need a camera PA? Like, can I come over and intern for you or whatever? If you make friends with like the camera department, then they'll maybe let you, you know, join their crew and maybe... They don't have a budget for a camera PA, but if you just say, I'll do it for free, or as long as the production signs off on that, which they usually will, 
um, you know, you can like learn in that department or the same for art department, same for anything. I never did that. I probably should have. I probably should have picked a department and like, you know, buddied up and like tried to, you know, grow in that department. But um, but I never really did that. Production is great. And I think it's really good for some people. And like a lot of people really enjoy it. And, and I thought and I did it for a while. And I was like thinking I wanted to be an assistant director for a long time. But then I learned that that's just not where my passion is. So I don't know. I think it's really good because you get to be on the set. You get to see how everything works. And then you can like, you know, hopefully find your department for that from there. If you're just a PA and you're just PA, like you're not going to just get a chance to, to do what you want to do. You have to totally make it happen yourself and like, you know, create those relationships and, and, and just figure it out. Well, that's kind of the advice in general, I feel, for filmmaking is you got to create the opportunities for yourself. Oh, yeah. No one's going to come find you and offer you a bunch of money to make a movie or come find you and ask you to read your script or right. uh, see your movie at a film festival and, and say, oh, what's the next thing you want to do or introduce you to people without you asking first. So down the line, you just have to you have to find the opportunities. I think the good thing about being in LA is that there's probably more opportunities available. It's it's a much bigger town when it comes to the the depth of crews and producers and agents and managers. Where San Francisco, I feel like there's you run into the same people over and over again and you probably have more experience with this than I do since you're more on the the working crew side of things. But in LA, I've worked on two or three commercial productions a year with different directors and I've never seen the same crew member on any of those crews it's always different and that's for the I've been doing this for like eight years whereas in San Francisco even just on my short films and I've done you know a handful four or five at this point I've seen some of the same crew members on those shoots yeah I think it's a it's a really close tightly knit community here which is really nice I think for a lot of reasons um but I mean, it, the difference is if I had PA'd in LA versus PAing here, um, I think I probably would have moved up the ranks a little bit faster. And I, and I mean, you know, in LA, it's just there's so much more stuff happening. There's bigger stuff happening, you know. And I think the opportunities for growth are different. So it's it's interesting. I wonder what would happen if I had done the same thing I did. But in L.A., where would I be now? Like with any life decision, I think you just have to kind of weigh the pros and the cons and like take your own personality into account. I think there's definite pros to living in L.A. and there's definite cons. And same thing if like we chose to stay in San Francisco. For me, it's kind of like you where by the time I'd even thought about moving to L.A., I had already had a bunch of responsibility in San Francisco and moving to L.A. wasn't just like an easy like I'm going to pick up and move. I also made a decision really early early on that I didn't want to do the whole PA thing. Mm. I, I actually graduated film school and I didn't even want to be in film, period. I was just mm. like, I am done with film. Um, but yeah, I think like from where I'm where I stand now and thinking about, all right, I'm at the point where I have a bunch of work on my reel and uh, I can start selling myself either as like a commercial director or as a feature film director. I see the benefits of being in LA because I might have more opportunity to meet people, run into people and take meetings if the opportunity came up. But at the same time, just because you're in LA and you have in you're closer to it doesn't necessarily mean you have access to it. Right. Because I'm down here often and I'm, I'm like I feel like part of my life is in LA. I don't know agents and managers and film producers. Like this, right. it's separated from the world that I work in. So I feel like unless you really work in that industry, 
it may not be as beneficial as you think. Because if you like go, here's here's an anecdote. I went to a restaurant when I was down here a few weeks ago, and I was talking to the waitress. And she's like, oh, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, I'm a producer. She's like, oh, cool, what kind? And I said, um, TV commercials. And she says, oh, my friend down there at the bar, he's an actor. You know, if you ever need an actor for a TV commercial, let him know. And I just kind of like that. Ha- I feel like that kind of stuff happens a lot in L.A., but it's mostly kind of like this actor, a lot of actors, especially working in restaurants. But nothing came out of it. Like, um, why would I go talk to that guy? It's so easy to get a hundred actors in a room to audition for a part. Maybe so he was because, like the like, next Robert De Niro. You don't never, never know. You should have just you never know. met him. <laughs> Whereas I feel like if that same thing happened in San Francisco, it might be more of a rare occurrence and something might have been born out of it because we're more of like kindred souls at that are in a world where that mm. doesn't happen often. Whereas in LA, it's like I kind of expect that to happen and it kind of almost cheapens it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in L.A., everyone you meet is either an actor or a writer or an, an aspiring filmmaker, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just different. But, um, yeah, I, thinking of answering this question, it's like I, I think about it two ways. Like, if I was 22 out of college, would I move to L.A. if I could go back in time? Absolutely. Like, no doubt. I would totally just go and do it and just do it while I was young and learn and have that experience. But like now, like I don't, I mean, I, I basically spent last year trying to decide whether or not to move to LA at this point. And, um, after talking to like 20 to 30 people asking them that that specific question, like, what do you think? Like, I mean, half the people said yes and half the people said no. And then half the people said, maybe, you know, (laughs) it's just like all this (laughs) conflicting advice. And I basically just took it all in and, just made my own decision. I, I kind of just decided that no, LA is not the right place for me right now. Like it's better off to be here, um, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, but, but mainly just because here it's easier for me to make movies. Like, whereas in LA, I don't have as many, any connections really. I have like, maybe like, I know like five people in LA maybe. Um, and, you know, I think if I was to go down, down down there and I was trying to make my next short film or get a feature off the ground, like I just don't really know how to get started doing that there as well. And and I've heard that permits are really expensive and that you can't just do things guerrilla style like you can here. Um, and it's harder to, to just get things going. Although there's more crew and crew is cheaper there and gear is cheaper there. But I mean, that's not really my problem because I have a lot of great crew that I love to work with who are happy to work with me, but for very little money, you know. Um, <laughs> not anymore. Not after they've listened to this. No, no, they're, they're down. I, I bet I've had like three freebie projects in the last like year or so. I've asked as many favors as I can ask. Now when I'm doing a project, I have to be like, okay, I can pay you <laughs> yeah. X amount of dollars. The takeaway from what you, what you just talked about is no matter where you are, it's all based on your connections right. and your network. And you have to build that network. So whether you're in L.A., you're in the Bay Area, you're in Kansas, wherever you are, you just have to find people that like to make films, create your network, and then make stuff. Right. And it and you don't have to move to L.A. if you don't want to. Right. And I think like trying to raise money for your own project or trying to like, let's say you have a script that you want to get made. I think going to LA, that might be the hardest place to do that because that's what everyone there is trying to do. Like 
everyone has a, a project that they want to get off the ground they're trying to raise money for and I'm, I'm speaking not from my own personal experience but from like the tens of people I've talked to who've told me stories about their five years in LA and like trying to like get their project off the ground and like nothing happening and then them just you know moving back and, and getting a job somewhere else or coming back to the Bay Area or wherever yeah. they're going you know well, that's the con of, of L.A. is that there, it's so much competition down here that everybody's trying to do it, that then standing out is a lot harder. I mean, the whole like big fish in a small pond moving to L.A., you become the small fish in a big pond. So you just have to take that as if you're going to move to L.A., you are going to be one of many people, whereas if you stay in a smaller town... And even just like us being in San Francisco, you're special because there's not a ton of people doing it. Yeah. So it's easier to stand out. That's true. I mean, I think if you if you have a certain it depends on what you want to do. Like if you want well, like an actor's obvious one, like, you know, all the acting jobs are like in New York or LA, so it's like you pretty much should pick either one. I don't know, I'm not an actor, so maybe I shouldn't be talking about this. But it just seems to me that that's where you should go. Or if you like want to work in like a writer's room on a TV show. You can't really do that anywhere else but like New York or LA, basically. Like that's where that happens. So it's like yeah. if you have very specific goals like that, you just need to go where those things are happening and when those where those opportunities exist. But if you just want to like make movies, just tell stories and, and whatever, and like then I think you could totally do it anywhere else. I see a, a pro of not being in LA is that your films are going to look different just by nature of not being there. And... I think there's something to be said to that. Like if you go to a film festival and you watch a lot of films and you see things that are coming out of LA, they all kind of have a similar look and, and I wouldn't say feel, but look because of the locations and like the actors. But then like if you just, if you're shooting in San Francisco, like my last film um, that Ulrich produced and we were in just this little residential house in El Cerrito, I think that it has a different look than anything in LA. And it, and for that reason, when you go see it at a festival, I think it's going to stand out a little bit. Yeah. I got that compliment on strange thing. Like, um, people saw that and they were like, you can tell this isn't made in LA. This is like got a special look to it. And that makes it really cool, you know? So that's definitely, definitely a true thing for sure. And I think that's sort of another big reason why I want to be here is because like I just want to make movies here. Like I love the Bay Area. Like I love San Francisco and Oakland and all the areas around here. And I think that they're very underrepresented on film. And so I'd love just to make movies here for the rest of my life. And it's really fun to be on this feature right now because it's like this isn't a company that you know, is based in New York or based in LA who decided to come and shoot a movie here. This is a Bay Area company making a movie right in their own backyard, you know? And it's, like, so awesome to be a part of that. I would just love to make movies here for the rest of my career, so that's why staying here just seems like the right choice because, like, it's happening. Like, there are production companies making movies here, and I just want to be a part of this growth, this that this, this thing that's going to happen that I think, like, in 10 years, we'll have, like, a much bigger um, industry here than we do now, hopefully. So it'd be nice to be a part of that. It it happened before. It, it happened in the late 70s, early 80s, when George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola decided to make movies in the Bay Area. But since they've stopped making movies, I feel like the industry in the Bay Area has gone down a lot. We also used to have Chris Columbus around, and he was making stuff. And I think the first Matrix, they were shooting some stuff here. There, there used to be actually some pretty good film incentives in San Francisco, and they, they went away for a little bit. 
Um, and I think now there's a resurgence that's happening, with, especially in the independent world. Recently, Fruitville did really well. That was a Bay Area film. And um, Beasts of the Southern Wild also was sponsored partly by San Francisco Film Society. And they did all their visual effects at the Academy of Art in San Francisco. And I know that the San Francisco Film Society is trying to get more productions done in San Francisco. And they have, seems like they have a pretty good eye. Oh, have you heard that Chris Columbus's daughter has a production company? Oh, no, I have not heard that. That's cool. Yeah, it's called, uh, I think it's called Maiden Voyage. And she's kind of concentrated on, like, first-time filmmakers is kind of her focus. Well, they'll be getting a phone call from me. (laughs) Go find them. Actually, I know where their office is. We'll we'll stop by and we'll we'll knock on their door. Yeah. So I think that there's opportunity for things to happen in the Bay Area. I don't think it'll ever be as big as it is in L.A., the production community. Just by nature that L.A. is so close that anybody who really, really, really wants to be in L.A., it's not a huge move. And I think the people that want to stay in San Francisco are are just going to decide to stay in San Francisco because of the lifestyle. And it's just a different lifestyle. So for that reason, I, I just feel like Bay Area filmmaking community will always be small, but hopefully we'll just see more productions happening and, and the community will get bigger than it is now. But I don't forever foresee it being in competition with LA. No. I think they're two different things. Yeah, definitely two different things. But uh, I just want to ask a question like, and I think you kind of hinted, hinted at it earlier, but like, why don't you just move to LA now? You know, um, what what's keeping you here at this point? A lot of fear, I would say. <laughs> Fear of the unknown. Um, (laughs) I think there's a lot of different reasons. Part of it is that, like you, I've built a community in San Francisco that I feel like allows me to make my films. I feel like I have a really good job that gets me into into the production world that I want to be a part of, that helps me keep learning. I also have a pretty solid life in San Francisco. That's hard for me to just pick up and move. I'm not convinced that it's really going to help me out all that much. I feel like I would make the move to L.A. if it felt like L.A. started to pull me down here. Yeah. That's just how I feel. And it, and it could be totally wrong, but I do really like San Francisco and I don't want to leave. And I've always kind of hesitated to go to L.A. partly because of that. And right now I just don't really see the benefit of it. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, you know, in a similar boat, you know, like fear was what kept me out of L.A., I think, you know, besides all my other excuses. But I think fear is the bottom one for a long time. And now it's more like, you know, I just kind of feel like I like it here. I'm getting things done here and L.A. is close. And then if if L.A. calls and like, no, there's a really good reason for me to go to move, you know, and I have like opportunities and then that's when I want to move. But I don't want to move before those opportunities exist. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to move just to move to LA. Like, I don't want to get down here just because everyone's telling me that I need to be here or because I feel like it's going to open up more opportunities. I feel like I have enough opportunities and I'm pursuing enough things in San Francisco that it doesn't feel like it's worth it for me at this moment. Because really, it would be a huge risk. I would have to give up everything. I'd have to leave all my friends, my house, my job, Everything that I, I, the life that I built in San Francisco to kind of just start over in LA and build up a new network, and I don't know in my head if that if that's really going to work itself out. Have you known anybody that's moved to LA? Yeah, 
that's made that leap? Um, yeah, a few. And how did it, how did it work out for them? Well, um, so one guy moved on there and he was like a DP electrician here. And, uh, I don't know him that well, but he moved on there many years ago and now he's just, uh, you know, a full-time electrician, um, you know, union, he works on, on big stuff and small stuff, but, uh, yeah, he's just out there being an electrician and he hasn't really shot much in that time. And I think it's just cause he spends all his time, you know, being an electrician and doing those jobs. What it feels like is, you know, you go down there and then you get, you get locked into, to one thing, you know, like you get, you get segment, like segmented really quickly. And, um, I don't know. I think there are people who are, are like us who do different things. You're like producing for money and then making films on the side. Like, I think that definitely exists, but I think, and that's why like, when I moved down there, it'd be nice if I would like had a movie or two that I'd already directed. So when I get down there, I get locked in as a director or a writer, the creative that I want to be. Yeah, know? that's true. I mean, if you move to LA early on in your career and you kind of work yourself up into something, it is going to be hard to get out of that. So if coming to LA, hopefully for us, coming to LA when we have enough on our reel and we're directors, we're like bona fide directors with enough pieces then we can get pigeonholed as directors and hopefully not get stuck as script supervisor in a feature film. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, no, that's, that's, that's a really, it's a real danger of what I'm doing is being the script supervisors and people are just going to start calling me for script supervisor jobs. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think, yeah. think that risk is worth the learning. You know, I think it really is. And I don't know who knows how that'll end up. We'll see. Well, in San Francisco, it's easier, I think, to jump from job to job. I mean, just, just the fact that you were able to get that position on a film says a lot about San Francisco and how it works and, <laughs> and that people would trust you to do it. Because I think in LA that, that probably wouldn't happen. There's probably people here that want to be script supervisors that would have done it for a really low rate just to get the experience of it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think the way that this production company was was looking or looking about their crew is like really trying to find people that they either had like some sort of like personal recommendation to um, rather than just going with the person who has the most experience. Like they were sort of like hiring for attitude versus hiring for um, experience. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another reason why I got in is because, you know, I just knew somebody in the production who, um, you know, I got along with and like that was sort of how I got in. Yeah. I don't know if that would happen in L.A. or not. Maybe. I'm trying to think. I don't know anybody that's come to L.A. that it's really worked out for. So coming to L.A. is not like a for sure guarantee that things are going to work out. I think that there is a lot of competition down here. And no matter where you are in the world making films, you're going to need to be outstanding at what you do to really stand out, whether that's in L.A., San Francisco, New York, Chicago, wherever it is, you just have to you're going to have to stand out. And I would just say choose the place that you feel like you can stand out in the most that you're going to thrive and you're going to grow and if LA is calling to you and you feel like you can make the most out of it then hell yeah move to LA but don't feel like you have to move to LA to make it um, I mean if anything we're a testament that you can make films outside of LA we're not successful filmmakers by some definitions of success but I think the fact that we're making movies and we're in a place that's outside of LA means that you can do it anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I think like, you know, the best way to stand out in my opinion is just to make a movie that's really interesting that people haven't seen before, you know? So, I don't know, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to deliver something in my my craft that people want to would want to see, not not that people would want to see that just, 
you know, that people maybe haven't seen before, you know, and from a perspective that's my unique own personal perspective, you know. In some ways you can do that better being outside of L.A. because you're telling stories about Oakland, right? Right. Or at least stories that take place in Oakland. And that shot that are shot in Oakland, you know, and that have that, you know, unique look and feel to them, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I think that's the real benefit of anyone because, like, just use your use where you are, right? Like that, like, you know, you talk about not having a lot of money and trying to use your resources, but like your biggest resources yeah. is your is your location, you know. So just, you know, if you're living in the middle of nowhere, like you use that, like you can make a really awesome movie where there's nobody around, you know. I feel like I already talked about my my lesson of the week. Without even without even calling it a lesson. Yeah, I think. Do you have one? Yeah, um, I don't know. Film tip of the week. Sorry, it's a tip. Tip of it's the week. It's not a lesson. It's a it's a tip. Um, <laughs> I as you can tell, I'm still struggling with the sec. Yeah, I no. I mean, yeah. I I think I think I had an idea of like what to call it that was sounded really really good to me, but then I forgot what that was. Um, <laughs> what would you think of it? Let's change it. Let's figure out some other way to call it. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I what I'm trying to, to, what I'm learning is like, listen before I speak, you know, like, uh, I, I get really excited <laughs> when I'm in like a group, uh, you know, creative sort of avenue where everyone's like working to, to make something great. And I have my, my very specific role. If I just listen to what people are saying, maybe I'll realize that they already know what I'm going to say. So just don't waste my breath and don't waste people's time and just listen before I speak. So that's what I'm trying. That's what I learned this week is just listening before I speak. All right. Well, anything else to say on the subject? No. Or should we sign off? I think it's it's one of those things you're just going to have to figure out for yourself. And, you know, I think if I go back in time, I probably would have done things differently concerning L.A., but I'm happy where I am now, you know? Yep. I'm with you. Same thing here. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Please jump over to iTunes and give us a like, a comment, or a share. And uh, you can follow me at AlricB on Twitter and also Alric Purcell on Facebook. And you can watch Strange Thing on Vimeo. What about you, Timothy? Ooh, a little plug for Strange Thing. Uh, you can follow me at Timothy Plain on Twitter. And our podcast handle is at MMIH Podcast. At, on Twitter, and we're also we have a MMIH podcast page for Facebook. I think it's just facebook.com slash MMIH podcast. So come find us. Let us know that you're listening to the show. Spread the word. We would love to get as many people listening to this as possible. Yes. Yeah, sp- thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a, have a great day. Have All a great right. week. Bye.